everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here on a very rainy day in Los Angeles in my studio with Elizabeth Lame. Hello. Hello. It's so nice to see you. It's been so long. I know. I was trying to figure out how long. Well, first, let me tell everyone how they know you. Okay, great. Okay, because you are a television writer. You're a comic. You are a podcast, an unparalleled podcast host who has been doing this as long as I have, I think, if not, maybe even longer. But right now they would know you from a very fun podcast that you do with your husband called Nobody's Listening Right. And I think we have crossover fans. Oh, I know that we do. I'm sure we do. Yes. And even like OG fans yeah. from 13 years ago. Probably. Right. Yeah. Because before you did this podcast, you had So your last name is Lame, and you had Totally Lame, and then Totally Married, Uh and then Totally Mommy. Yes. Um, So this is all part of your podcast empire. But you also (laughs) have recently started hosting a show called The One Sure Thing, which is a podcast about death and dying. Correct. Uh, So we're going to get into that. And then also you are a writer for the ABC. It's ABC, right? Yes. Show A Million Little Things. Yes. Not A Million Little Pieces. Different. We discussed earlier. (laughs) I was saying my mouth wants to say pieces. And you said a lot of people do that. But no, this is A Million Little Things. Yes. Um, Which is exciting because I think when you and I first met, you were wanting to get staffed on a show. You were kind of like in the course of trying to get your like move your career in that direction. And look, you've done it now. I think if you speak into a microphone enough (laughs) times saying, God, I want this thing, it eventually comes true because it took a very long time and I never stopped complaining about (laughs) wanting it. And then I finally, probably seven years ago, finally started writing for TV. How did it happen? It happened in a very funny way, um, unexpected, I should say. I I should say this. I started out doing comedy in New York when I was like 22. And then we moved to LA when I was 28. We started podcasting. That was 2013. Everyone could do the math. I'm only 36. Just kidding. Um, and, <laughs> and I'm 38, just a little bit old. Oh my God, how sad that I'm like... I'll tell them I'm 38 because that's actually like not that young sounding, but it is compared to my real age of 145. (laughs) You look amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So basically we started podcasting and I was setting out to become a TV writer and um, wrote a million scripts, went on a million meetings, nothing ever happened. Then I got pregnant and I was 34 and I had my daughter And uh, basically, another mom, June Raphael. Yeah. And I became close because, uh, and actually, I had originally met her on my podcast. Mm -hmm. I I mean, similar to you, I think we have very similar kind of worlds where podcasting brings all these great people into your life. And she and I were walking our babies around the reservoir, like looking dead eyed and exhausted. (laughs) And I pitched her the thing I was going to write next not pitching. I was just mm-hmm. telling her about it. But unbeknownst to me, 
she and Casey Wilson had a deal at ABC. And like the next thing I knew, she was like, will you come tell this to Casey? And I was like, oh my gosh. And then we took it to ABC and um, they bought it. So that was the first time I I sold something. And then I sold something the next year with Tammy Sager. And then I got staffed on I'm Sorry. Oh, yeah. But it was like such a journey. (laughs) It was such a journey. So very grateful. I never take it for granted because it took me so long and Mm -hmm. I had to claw my way in. (laughs) So uh, even I was just on set a few weeks ago and I still every I'm always like, I cannot believe like I duped them. (laughs) I can't believe it. Do you have imposter syndrome? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For everything. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Do you you think? Um, yes, I would say that it waxes and wanes. Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't really have imposter syndrome regarding my podcast Yes, because it's in my backyard and Mm -hmm. it's all very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, with the, let me put a a carrot on that because, or a pin, because there's one thing where I, I remember I, there are some moments where I. I do, but for the most part, I don't. But when I'm in like official Hollywood land mm-hmm. situations, which I feel like it's been a little while, um, then I definitely do have imposter syndrome. But I think, I don't know if it's the pandemic or my age again, 145 or what <laughs> it is, but like I would like to think that maybe I'm getting to a place where I feel like I, like I can see it all for what it is a little more. And I get that like everyone is just trying to figure things out. Yeah, you know what? As you say this, it's funny because I was like, I don't have imposter syndrome for podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's because you and I were like we the two it. first women who ever <laughs> did. I mean, honestly. We, we were some of the first, it, if not the first. <laughs> we started our first podcast dropped in February of 2010. Okay. Yes. And and that's around the time I was I, – and so you are before me because I was doing Alice and Rosen's Junior Best Friend as a streaming internet show in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. And then in I moved back to California in October of 2010, started on the Adam Carolla show January mm-hmm. of 2011, mm-hmm. and then brought Alice and Rosen's Junior Best Friend back as a podcast in 2012. So wow. you paved the way for me. <laughs> well, I – no. But – And then when it comes to writing stuff, I feel like similarly, you know, the more time you spend in it, I'm and being on set and kind of reaching a certain level. And you also learn as you rise the ranks in like a TV writer's room and being on set. It's kind of shocking how much you're still learning as you go. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in my mind, I thought all these co-EPs and EPs have it all figured out. And the truth is every show is different. Everyone's learning new things as they go. And so giving yourself that kind of grace, I think alleviates a lot of the imposter syndrome. Right. But I, I still definitely like when I walk, when I have, maybe it's less imposter syndrome, but like the director's chair that mm-hmm. has my name on it. Oh, like, so cool. oh my God, I will never, I hope be so, get cynical enough to yeah. like not be, totally over the moon about it and not show it at all and I just go mm-hmm. and sit down but inside right. I'm like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> um the the pin carrot that I put in the I don't have it regarding my show during the pandemic when I was doing everything on zoom um I began at times to feel like I'm just a stranger asking nosy questions of famous people <laughs> and I think it's because without that connection in the room I did I did worry like 
are it was Tim Heidecker. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. He's so funny and yes. and such a he was so like nice and such a good interview. But um I was excited to book him on the show mm -hmm. and I think I really got in my head about it. And so I was like, I want to like really be really versed in the Tim Heidecker world. So I like was watching tons of his stuff and just immersing myself so much yeah. that when I was talking to him, I really, just to be honest, like I wanted, I, I wasn't fully conscious of it, but I think what happened was I wanted to impress him, Yes, which is the kiss of death. I, I find as a host when yeah. you're so I like wanted to impress him with the depth of my questions and with how much I knew about him. And like, I don't know. Um, that may be why I like totally liked <laughs> because I almost every single time wanted. Well, maybe not to impress, but I wanted to be liked by mm -hmm. the person, which I mean, I don't know. I think it's a double edged sword. Yeah, of course, but. But you're such a good interviewer. Oh. It's natural to you. Thank you, know. you. I mean, but I think wanting to be liked is a little bit different than wanting them to be impressed by you. Because wanting to be liked could mean like you're just going to have a fun conversation where you're sort of becoming friends versus mm -hmm. I feel like I was coming from this place of like, I want him to be like, whoa, these questions are incisive <laughs> and astute. You wanted it. That's a great question. <laughs> yes. Although... I kind of feel like if someone goes, that's a good question, they're like actually just buying time. Mm -hmm. That's I use it to, I mean, I can be acknowledging the question <laughs> as a good one, but also yeah. sometimes I'm just like, oh, what is my answer? <laughs> but anyway, the, all that said, so afterwards I had this very like off balance feeling mm -hmm. of like, I am just, he has accomplished so much. By the way, I've had tons of big names yeah, on my yeah, show. It's yeah. weird that he... My husband is a big fan of Tim Heidecker oh. and a big fan of Office Hours Live. And I'm kind of wondering if that's why I built it up in my head so much. Probably. Um, so I after yeah, afterwards I'm just like, he's a comp like every time he coughs, like he has a new series. Like he's just <laughs> so he's put out all these music albums like he's so prolific mm -hmm. that I'm like and I'm just like a no one asking him nosy questions. And I really like Aww. I really had a an identity crisis after that but for the most part i don't <laughs> and so how do you deal with that because i i you know i feel like that's like social anxiety yeah i don't interview people anymore on a podcast partially for that reason really because it would be like i would go similar to like a night out drinking at a party if i have yes. one if i have one sip more than two drinks i will be up all night going did i say mm -hmm. i like your dress did I say? <laughs> you know like playing just this nonsense and i'm like i have offended her for you know yes and uh so my question to you is how did you kind of combat that or was it just a good night's sleep and time um so a rule that i have set with myself uh, that I break all the time, but I still think there's sense in the rule is regarding my own show, I will not form an opinion and run with it about how an episode was until I listen back to it. Oh. But I, like I said, I break it all the time mm -hmm. because that whole uh, downward spiral that I went on after the Tim Heidecker episode was based on my feeling from the Zoom. Mm -hmm. The truth is I went back and listened mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is like a fine episode. All the things yeah. I was worried about aren't in there 
Um, and that is what ameliorated it. In addition yes. to around that time, I was really working on my relationship with external validation mm-hmm. and really trying to like get a handle on what is going on because I would be sitting there in the morning as I was, I look at, I look at social media first thing in the morning. It's terrible. I'm very not disciplined, but I would be sitting there and I'd like look at Instagram and then all of a sudden I would feel terrible. And I realized like, and, and it would be because uh, admitting such unattractive things, but like it'd be because I saw some great guest was on someone else's podcast, mm-hmm. which very rapidly in my head, I'm like, well, they, they why aren't they coming on mine? I guess I'm never going to, I would never have that. I'm never going to, you know, just, I'm not good enough uh-huh. so quickly. Uh-huh. And then I was like, if I'm going to be upset every time someone else, something good happens for someone else, this mm-hmm. is going to be a miserable life. Where's this coming from? And I kind of put it together that like, this isn't even about that podcast or that guest. This is about, my mom and my sister and this is like it's just my shit getting projected onto that yes so that was kind of waking up that's so astute and also I I feel like it's just so human to always compare ourselves to other people Andy and I have been having this experience lately and like coming back to podcasting after we were away for Mm -hmm. a while um, and it's now just the two of us and it's like very low maintenance and really fun and we just we just really miss doing it, and mm-hmm. so that's why we're back. Um, but looking back on like our careers and the podcasting stuff, and there were so many times that I was probably like, you know, beating myself up about this other podcast is blah blah blah, yeah. you know. But I really feel like everything has led us to what we're doing now, which you know, I, I just really love doing. And I'm also like, if the podcast had like blown up or something back in the day, I probably wouldn't have continued to do writing, Mm -hmm. you know, he wouldn't have been doing music and who knows. So I'm, I'm just trying to move through life that way. Also like keeping my eyes on my own paper, Mm -hmm. But it is so human to look at yeah. what other people, what's going on with other people. Right. And, That's so good, though. It sounds like you're like in a really good or or often in a really good headspace. I have to say I am. I think um, obviously pandemic's not over. We have to <laughs> say all the caveats. But coming out of, uh, you know, my my son has some health issues and so we like did not leave our property mm-hmm. for a year and a half. Like everything was delivered. We were the annoying people who, I mean, took it way deeper than most. I just, think we did too. Just out of like, you know, fear. Terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old terror. So um, now that we're coming back to life, I mean, it's kind of that thing like you can't have happiness without sadness. Yes. I really feel I'm going to knock on wood like we're in such a good place. We're doing things for like the love of doing them. Um, I mean, that's not to say, of course, we all have our moments. and stuff, Right. But yeah, I'm also should say I'm coming. We just got back from Ojai for like three days where for our anniversary. So I'm kind of like in a more blissed out mm-hmm. state than I normally would be. But yes, to answer your question, things are good. Good. Yeah. Uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. What what number was it? 
15. Wow. I know. That's so exciting. I know. Uh, my husband and I just had an anniversary as well. What? It's nine, which is not exciting. Happy anniversary. Thank you. But we did nothing. We did not even get each other. We said happy anniversary, but like we didn't get <laughs> cards or anything. Um, his mom is coming next week. So we're like, we're going to for sure going to go out. Um, oh, good. But yeah. I think he was a little bummed that, I mean, he's like, He's like, I'm glad that both of us didn't, as opposed to one person doing something and then the other one feeling yes, bad. Yeah, that's but the worst. He's like, but at the same time, I do think we should like recognize it. And I'm like, I know. So when your mom comes to town, but I don't yes. know, do you guys normally do something for your anniversary? Honestly, we're very low key about it. Um, and so we'll try to go away for a weekend. We don't typically do anniversary gifts mm-hmm. or anything. So kind of similar, like yeah. a nice dinner out or something, but. Did you go away with or without your kids? Without. We have only for one night when Owen was four months old, Mm -hmm. we went to San Francisco for a wedding. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, I wasn't ready to do this yet. Yes. That's, yeah. Um, And then in the hospital having Owen, I was away from Elliot. We were away from Elliot. But other than that, we've never traveled without them. And we rarely travel. It's a muscle you got to (laughs) flex. But... We've, I mean, also my kids are now seven and almost nine. Yeah. Very different. Like they can, they can call us on their iPad, you know, <laughs> right. like it's a whole different ball yeah. game. But I will say, um, cause uh, like the first few times you do it, you're, it's like the old saying, like your heart's outside your body. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of don't even detach. Mm-hmm. And well, let me tell you <laughs> that this trip with the help of some weed gummies and a few old fashions, like I fully had a good time, had a good time. I knew they were in great hands. Like we FaceTimed them a couple times, but not too many. Mm-hmm. And it just really felt like, oh, this is a healthy thing we can do every once in a while and get away with it. And it's all good. And this was the first time we left for three nights, mm-hmm. which is really necessary because two nights, you really only have one day. No, because you're arriving and then you're leaving. Exactly. You got to get that three yeah. nights. Then you have two full right. days. You need the meat in the sandwich of vacation. Yes. You need the <laughs> meat. Or the portobello burger. Yes. So, yeah. That sounds nice. It was nice. Um, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I'm just going to jump right in with this. Please. Okay. The last time you were on my show... But not the, the last time I saw you was, I think, one of the last totally lame, lame episodes. Yes, you came episodes? on. Okay, yes. Whenever, like, finale episodes. Yeah. That was great. But, uh, and then you were on my show when I was in the old apartment, and mm-hmm. I cannot remember when that was, but it, oh, you know what? Okay, so Elliot is six now, and you held him when he was a baby, so it was yes. like six, it's crazy, it was six years so ago. crazy. Uh, and you and I had bonded over the fact that after getting pregnant, we no longer did any pubic grooming. <sighs> Oh my God, it's so funny you bring this up, Allison, because in thinking of uh, the segments for this show, <laughs> one of the things that was on the table for the um, Go Fuck Yourself is uh, our like mixed messaging about body hair. Yes. <laughs> it's such a thing. So something new has happened in my life and I'm dying to hear your update okay. if there is one well yeah no I'll, I'll i mean 
Wait, don't get say, too excited. Say what you were going to okay. say. Because- well, I was going to say, yes. So for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> uh, I had tended the area, uh-huh. over-tended really, yes. uh, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Um, yeah, and can I ask like... Shaving. Shaving. I've never waxed. Okay. I'm too pain averse. Mm-hmm. Were you waxing? No, but that's because I had a horrible experience. Like I went to get waxed and the woman grabbed my leg. I was like in my 20s mm-hmm. and sh- wobbled my thigh. Oh my God. And said, you need to lose weight. <gasps> oh my when God. I'm sitting there like pussy out. Yeah. <laughs> like as vulnerable as a human can be. You need to lose. Oh my she God. Said that to me. That's so insane. And, and so rude. I, that turned me off from waxing. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it did it. Did you actually get waxed that time? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I would have, too, because I just would have I, been course. like, I'm in, a, I'm in my own. I'm just going to crawl up my own butthole <laughs> yeah, in terms totally. of where my soul is going. And how, like, was it painful? It's like one of those those Ikea bags that stuffs inside of itself. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes, it was very painful. Okay. Also, it was right. emotionally, emotionally painful. <laughs> devastating on all levels. Yeah. So... I feel like there's like something in my on my lipstick, so I just have to look in the mirror, in the window. What in the camera? <laughs> um, okay, seems okay. All right, Tony, leave that in. It's very real. It's very relatable. <laughs> my confusion over the words mirror, window, camera. <laughs> anyway, so when I got pregnant, uh, I think that my hair started growing faster or something. Mm-hmm. But I would be like, I felt uncomfortable, itchy, and stubbly, like. It felt like 10 minutes after I showered. Mm-hmm. Plus, my growing belly, I couldn't really see the area yeah. as well. And then I was like, wait a minute. If I just let this grow back in, then I don't have to deal with the difficulty of shaving and with feeling itchy and uncomfortable. And it's going to be itchy and uncomfortable when it grows in, but then it'll be fine. And so then I let it grow in and I've never looked back. Yay. And now we are six years later. Yeah. Like when I get the rare occasion when I get in a bathing suit, then I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to need to take care of some stuff. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I was the only one. And then you said that you had had a similar trajectory. Where are you, if I may ask, where are you now with all of that? Yeah, we had like a gray garden situation happening. Oh, I feel like I, I, there's a bat, a bat flew out earlier. (laughs) Yeah, there's old, there's stacks of newspapers. It's bad. Um, But, you know, no complaints. Like there's only one visitor. So whatever. But what I will say is, so I just wrapped on the show after three years, and it seems to be like a theme in my life where... Wait, just uh, does that mean that you're done as a writer on A Million Little Things? Things? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, con- is that a congrats? Congrats? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. So it's our final season. It's been announced. You know, it's all all good and an amazing experience, but I've been spat out into like unemployment mm-hmm. and... <laughs> so you feel like you need to have be groomed down there? First stop <laughs> is like a laser clinic. Okay. I can't even say why, but it is... I, I'm a woman of patterns and this has been my pattern. When I'm facing like a void of mm-hmm. nothingness in front of me, my the first anchor for me is a laser clinic. And so I went. Wait, so you've done this before? I did, but for like my upper lip, which okay. is hilarious because I have nothing there. I yeah. spent like $600 on nothing. Making sure there was no- Okay. I'm so glad you're mentioning this because I have like, I am feeling in a laser way like, these days. <laughs> <You're> Please. 
because I had a laser treatment on my face that I had been considering for 10 years. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like at one with lasers and I mean all all the – like I – all of a sudden I see how women just go – go way too far too fast and begin to look very artificial because I've never done any of that, but like I'm open to all of it. Let's, yeah. We'll get to that. Tell me more. Okay. So I love that you're in a laser way. <laughs> I, so back a million years ago, post the horrific waxing experience, mm-hmm. I did go to an electrolysis person, which oh. like is so barbaric and archaic now. It's like one needle going yeah. in and it's like, and they zap the fall, like a right? lightning bolt comes from the sky is horrible. Things have come so far and it's one of, I'm like, I'm so blessed to be alive right now (laughs) in this timeline, (laughs) timeline of laser and hair removal technology. Now I say this as a double-edged sword. I very much envy the youngsters out there who like don't have the ingrained bullshit about body hair that we do. I wish I could like go pits out and bush out and feel, I mean, bush out I did for a while, Mm -hmm. but I finally... And so I'm also Eastern, like French and Czech. My leg hair, when I shave it, it's already like, you know, coming out to the show as soon as I step out of the show. <laughs> yes. So I went to this laser hair clinic in Glendale. I like to hear this. Prolase. This is a Pro-lays. big plug for Prolase. Prolase. Okay. I went in. They did my legs, my bikini area. Now I'm not taking it all off. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Do you tell them cleaning up? Do you like show them a triangle that feels good? Or yes, okay. I pointed out exactly where I wanted things, and I you know displayed. Yeah, and it's very fast, painless. What? How? And pain- my armpits. Okay, so then she's like, um, basically, you're gonna. So you shave the day before you go, and they do this, and I'm like, this is not. This is bullshit. Like it's not gonna work. Then she's like, you'll notice in about two weeks that it's going to start to shed. Allison, That's exciting. I barely have any armpit hair anymore. Wow. One session. Now I am wow. going to go back. You go back like mm-hmm. once a month for a few months. Yeah. I am blown away by this and it, it feels joyous. And for someone, I am 43. It was, you know, I've been indoctrinated that armpit hair is yucky and leg mm-hmm. hair is yucky. And I, I, intend not to do that with my daughter but and i know it's like show by example but i'm just like i just feel better does she know you're doing this no she doesn't know this but she knows i shave and stuff and even that i feel weird about Mm -hmm. because it's like but i guess the message is do whatever makes you feel good right and mommy's been (laughs) ruined so save yourself um but I love this. So prolase. And you say painless. Are you doing like a numbing cream or anything first? No. And it's just, it's truly painless? Like no True, snapping rubber bands or anything? Truly painless. Wow. It, they must have come a long way because I thought it's supposed to feel like snapping rubber bands or something. And when I, I'm, <clears throat> you know, maybe for some people it does because she did say it might, exactly what you're saying, you might feel like a rubber band snap. Right. I felt nothing. And I was convinced it wasn't working. My leg hair, like when it's, you know, it's a week, it's two weeks later. So my leg hair had come in a bit. I would just like run my hand on my legs and like all this hair would just fall out. Like, did you ever use Nair? Yes. (laughs) Did the young people even... I can still smell it. Me too. (laughs) Or did you ever use like Joven cream bleach? 
No. Oh, yeah. I bleached my arm hair. Oh. In, uh, I felt so attractive afterwards. I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Mm. Uh, the problem is, so I had like, it's like I had sun in on my arm hair. <laughs> like I had, you know, orangish, but still light arm hair. Uh, but then when it grows in, it's like tiny Your little frosted like, tip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but anyway, that like that singes your nose. That is a real like acrid. It's similar to Nair, but a little bit stronger. But anyway, with so do the young people know what a depilatory is? No. Let's tell them. It's this very intense sulfuric smelling cream that you put on your hair and you let it s- burn, 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 burn your nose. Burn baby burn. For what? 15, 20 minutes. It yeah. feels like a long time. There's no world these chemicals aren't like no, really bad for you. Because it's it's probably like what's in Drano that breaks up a hair clog in your oh, yeah. Because what it does is it breaks the hair off. So then when you like wash it off, you, there's all these tiny little hairs that come gone. off. But it's like, what a pain in the butt for something that's akin to shaving. Yeah, totally. Well, anyway, that's so your the hair wisdom just I have off. to impart. And... I'm excited this summer. I will say, you know, I felt I I wanted to feel like empowered, like the the very cool young women on Instagram mm-hmm. and, and just be like, you know, balls out, whatever. It's probably a bad analogy, but I just can't swing it. And it would be a bummer because it would be like, oh, come by our pool. I'm like, I can't just come by your pool. Like I need <laughs> because of which- multiple days notice. I need to find a time to like get in there and figure it out. Are you talking about the bush area? Yeah. Okay. And all of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the pandemic made you like shaving my legs became such a fucking chore where I was like, Sh- honestly, ugh. showering has become a chore, <laughs> but- Every time I shower, I shave my legs. And I haven't worn shorts since I was in seventh grade. I'm exaggerating. But I mean, I don't – no one sees my legs. Mm-hmm. And yet I still feel the need to shave them every time I shower because I like them to feel smooth. Yes, me too. I do. Yet too. I don't mind a shag carpet on the lady bits. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that's progress. <laughs> I do. And, and by the way – I had I paid for the full laser treatment yeah. and I said no no just clean up the perimeters you know pull some weeds but I think I would feel more you know like I got it going on I, I might like I might get my groove back I'm just making I'm just saying silly things but you know what I'm saying yeah like I think I might feel there's a, there's more of a spring in my step if I was a little sl- smoother uh-huh yeah well, this might be your ticket. I know. So have you done, if I may ask, have you ever done like Botox or any of that stuff? Yes. Okay. So I did Botox for the first time. I can tell you exactly when it was because it was like three and a half months ago because I say it lasts three months. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was very true. And I really didn't like it. You didn't. Mm-mm. Tell me everything because, okay, so I I had these... um Sun, I've had sunspots on my face for a, a long time, and I heard about IPL laser treatment, which is just a laser where they, that removes them. I swear it was like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I finally got up the nerve to do it about a month ago. Uh, that actually – it wasn't intolerable, but they – 
you put this numbing cream on, so I thought I wasn't going to feel it at all. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt it. Mm-hmm. It felt like little rubber bands snapping. Oh, boy. Which, if they had warned me that was good, what it was going to feel like, it would have been fine. But mm-hmm. because there was no, because I was expecting nothing, I was like, this is not very comfortable. But we're going to leave the numbing cream on for longer next time. But anyway, I also was intending to get what she referred to as baby Botox, yes. like just a tiny bit. However, given that I was, my skin was not numb at all, I, I said, let's not do the Botox and mm-hmm. maybe I'll do it next time. But more and more, I keep thinking, I don't want to, I, there, there's a certain look that a lot of people have that I don't feel like it doesn't look younger. It just looks smoother. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. Anyway, tell me. Yeah. I feel like similar to like the electrolysis mm-hmm. and stuff. I feel like the Botox now, there is a look that people want and they go in and they're like, give it all to me. Yeah. But the baby Give Botox, me Lala. That's a Vanderpump reference. Oh, is that's the name of her book? But she is very, um, like lip injection Botox. Oh, smooth. I I don't love the lip injection Mm-mm. look. I will just say no, me neither. Now the Botox. The reason I opted in on it was it was also baby Botox, and I kind of thought, oh, maybe I'll do this as like a preventative mm-hmm. more like than smoothing everything out. And I went to like my dermatologist, who's really you know, she's professional, professional. She's yeah. a fancy doc. And, um, but I don't, I guess people respond differently to it, but basically like I got it in my forehead and I don't even really, my forehead lines don't really bother me mm-hmm. at all. It's more like the bit, they call the them 11. the 11 yeah. and then kind of my laugh lines, which I don't want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. I want to look like I laugh and stuff, but, um, the forehead like really took in a way that it was like pretty frozen Mm -hmm. could you move your eyebrows i could kind of but like i hated that feeling i felt it was the feeling you didn't like it was the feeling and also andy um i mean divorced you (laughs) andy has always been like please don't ever do that shit and he also We've had extensive conversations. You can listen to nobody's listening, right? To hear some of them where I'm like, my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. I am glad that he's like, please don't versus like, please God do right, it. Right, right. But um, I think similar to what you're saying, he's seen people who get it and it's just like, whoa, Nelly. Yeah. And it's a slippery slope. And so he noticed. He was like, I didn't oh, did tell you him. didn't tell him. I see. And he was like, what is happening? And then... <laughs> My daughter was like, you look different. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God. But it wears off in three months and I'm back to normal. Mm -hmm. And like, I won't say I would never get it again, but I don't think I would ever get in my forehead again. And I just tiny amounts just but I don't even know if I I will ever get it. Can I ask? uh, And this is intense gal chat. We have a gal chat drop. Gal chat. Do you know how many units they gave you? I don't. Okay. I think it was a very small amount, mm-hmm. allegedly. But um, Because I said to her, and it's my dermatologist too, um, I said, so where, if I were to do the baby Botox, where would you put it? And she was like, okay, you know, um, raise your eyebrow. Like she had me move my face around. Um, the first thing she noted was, and this is not the same at all as jiggling your thighs and saying you need to lose weight but she's like okay okay creases at rest uh-huh <laughs> oh. i do have creases at rest though 
But anyway, we all because yes, but I think the young people don't. They only their creases only show when they move, which I don't even mind though. But so anyway, my 11s don't bother me. You don't really have them when I I scowl, but I don't make this face. You know, YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen Rosen to see my me scowling. (laughs) Right. So she's like, okay, so that's your glabella or something like that, and um, and I said, I I don't really mind that, Mm -hmm. and she's like, okay, well, I I have to put it there because if I don't, then, um, you will look different because if I just do the forehead, but I don't do that area, it you'll will look, like sink yeah. in or something. Um, I think that, what is it? If, because if they paralyze certain muscles, but they don't paralyze like the opposing ones, then it's going to pull down or pull well, up so or something. This is something interesting that I've I've spent some time messing around in a mirror with but like i have seen botox where basically everything becomes slack mm-hmm. that this is like down and yeah it almost looks like you have like little like extra dimples right there or like but look at how now my eyebrows look like they kind of go up on the yes. outside and jack it, nicholson brows it is has something kind she of mentioned. an evil thing mm-hmm. now just for fun i don't think that botox does this or can do this but look at how kind of sad i look Oh, you do, yeah. Up. Even if I'm like, yeah, there's you, like your <laughs> eyes. Look, you look like you look like you're holding a feeling in. Yeah, if you a bad one. If you raise <laughs> the inner parts of your eyebrows up, you'll just and leave the outer parts down. You have to do it with your fingers. Anyway, it's kind of fun to play around with, but I want I do want to caveat all of this because I have such complicated feelings around all of this yes. shit, where I'm like. The pink tax is a very real thing. Like I oftentimes when I'm putting my makeup on in the morning, I'm not like a makeup girl. Mm-hmm. I don't love makeup. I wish I was better at it, but only because, you know, there are these studies that like women who wear makeup well or know how to do it or wear it and have to buy it do better in their careers. Mm. And I'm like, I resent so much that this all is part of all of it. But it is our reality and like we live in L.A. It's all around us and I do want to feel my best. And I mean, I think we're really similar and like we're both really hard workers Mm -hmm. and we want to be the best that we can be and we want to be the best moms we can be and we want to be that this is it's like it feels like a necessary evil for me. I don't even want to say evil because everyone should do what they want to do, but I don't want to just talk about it without at least acknowledging that you feel you're in conflict about it's it. It's all. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. So she was like, oh, I'd have to put it there. And then I'd anyway, the sense I got was the feeling I got was like, oh, what she's doing is not specifically tailored to my face. It's just kind of like the entry level Botox that everyone gets. And that made me a little bit nervous, mm-hmm. even though I'm. she said like 40 units. And I mentioned that to someone else and they're like that because that to me sounded like a lot. I was like, how about like two or something? You know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I have, but I have no frame of reference. But someone's like, that actually doesn't sound like that much. Mm. So I don't know. But I just I don't want to walk out of there with a frozen face. Also, we were like, do I do the Brotox bat brow lift? She's like, it's only one millimeter. But then I was like, I just don't want I don't I don't know. So I think I might not do it. I think 
Yeah, don't do it. By the way, it does wear off. I mean, that yeah. was kind of the nice thing. I think it's when you're doing it over and over again and asking for more and more and more. Yeah. Like, I, um, But I do a little bit see how that happens, though, because yeah. now that I'm doing video of these shows, mm-hmm. I, by the way, mm-hmm. when I emailed you about coming on, I didn't even tell you we were videoing it, did I? Oh, but you video your show. Yeah, we do. Okay, okay. I, I, I always try to always warn people. video ready. Okay, no, <laughs> perfect. I, I just... I have been surprised by video when I have shown up to podcasts and yeah. I'm surprised in a negative way. So I always try to warn people and I'm realizing I didn't warn oh, you. So fine. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, now that I'm seeing myself, I'm like, yep, it is time for the nose job. And I no. think maybe a lip flip. And I don't know what what's going on. What the fuck on. is a lip flip? Okay. <laughs> I'm not actually going to do it. But a lip flip is Botox injected into your upper lip somewhere so that when you smile, your upper lip is not pulled back. And so I think... This is going to be okay. I think it does that. I'm holding it down so Don't that your do that. upper, <laughs> well, your fingers wouldn't be there. It's I, so that your smile is less gummy because I have a quite a, a gummy smile that I'm not I in love too. with and a, a thin upper lip. Gummies. Thank you. And your thin upper lip. I mean, I have the exact same we, situation. Okay. Have you considered? Yes, we do. No. We have a similar. You're just, you're just, you love it. I actually love it. Okay. It's actually one part about myself I love. So maybe I'm objectively not the right audience for you to have no but if if you're gonna love it then i'm gonna love it great teeth thank you here's the thing there's so many people out there where i see their before and after Mm -hmm. and i'm like i liked their before with some with the humanness so i just want to get there with myself Mm -hmm. one more thing about this and then let's move on unless you have more to say about it here's the weird like mind fuck of it though i went and i got the laser treatment and i was like i feel so empowered Mm -hmm. i feel like a new world is opening up for me like all these things that i thought weren't for me like i'm not the kind of woman who would do those things i think maybe i am the kind of woman who could do those things Mm -hmm. but it's weird because it's this that dual-edged thing you're talking about of like it's empowering to really buy into the patriarchy like what is it you know what i mean it's but it's more complicated than that something about yourself and to like um to conform to an ideal that's been like decided without but our kind of vote. It's weird that it feels empowering to do that though. That's what's so weird. Well, it makes me think of I'm I'm like really trying to This is a thing I also not to like launch into a whole other thing, but you know, I have always struggled with body image stuff and really have been inspired by like the healthy at every size Mm -hmm. movement. And, but then also I'm like, but am I bad if I like, I, I, you know, the like diet culture is very seductive Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not a diet. It's like a lifestyle. You know, it's all of that (laughs) shit. And I'm like, yes, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm like, Oh, if I, lost 15 pounds I would probably feel really good Mm -hmm. in fact I have before and I did feel good of course I gained it back because that's what happens but um I'm feeling good because I've made myself smaller Mm -hmm. to fit this you know it's like a false sense of satisfaction Mm -hmm. but it feels very real yes there's so it is Though it feels powerful to say I'm going to make a change in my appearance, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that is like the high that you get from losing weight. 
Uh, I mean, look, weight is such a complicated issue, yes. obviously, but it's that thing of like, I am controlling something that ha- I have felt controlled me, mm-hmm. you know, and there is what to take a value That's judgment a away point. from it. Yeah. I also just on the, while we're on the weight topic and then we should definitely move on, but I would love it. This was another thing that floated through my head when I was thinking about the segments. If like we could collectively not talk about our weight loss and diets in front of our little kids yes. that keeps happening at birthday parties. Really? Oh no, not in front of these eight-year-old girls. Like, yeah. what are we doing? I, I don't. I just judge other people for doing it. But <laughs> no, it's I upsetting. Um, okay. I know we were gonna get off of this, but I do have a question. Yeah. Um, as someone who struggles with body image, because I also do, mm-hmm. how do you handle your the relationship between your kids and food? Because I we are very laissez-faire mm-hmm. like they pretty much you know there's not forbidden foods they can mm-hmm. kind of have whatever they want whenever they want mm-hmm. um and it seems to, it seems to be working for us mm-hmm. but i think that's because they have some of my husband's genetics he was like a skinny kid growing up mm-hmm. you know whereas if they were if it was the kind of thing where the pediatrician was like they, you know, they're mm-hmm. heading towards obesity or whatever, then I would be like, oh, I guess I should be doing something. I don't, I don't know. Something else. I don't know. And I feel like even that statement is like, I would need to inspect it to figure out if I even agree with that because I was an overweight kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my parents, even though they tried, I don't think they handled it very well. Mm-hmm. That being said, I have often thought I don't necessarily even know the right way to handle it Mm -hmm. it's just hard but anyway yeah so how are you like do you try to instill good eating practices and like what do you do um well first of all i wanted to say there is an amazing podcast called maintenance phase yes i have i gotta listen to it more they just i think the latest episode or like two before this were like the new guidelines for pediatricians and doctors for fat kids and it's like they're talking about putting like giving them drugs, right? It's at a young age. It's really eye-opening. I mean, it's really complex and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they point this out. Like if you're a 16-year-old girl and you weigh 400 pounds and you're like, who is anyone to say that you shouldn't be able to get surgery right. if it's... But um, I think to answer your question, like the tools that our parents' generation had were not good tools mm-hmm. and there aren't necessarily better tools now. That's the and thing. I think it's... And it's not taking the whole, like, everything into consideration. It's just about this kid. We need to make this kid skinnier. Right. And kids are, like, growing and developing. And I think the thing that needs to be fixed more than the kid's weight is, like, society's stigma, mm-hmm. which hurts their same self-esteem. Yes. And, like, that's what needs to be changed. So... But in terms of food in our family, I will say I'm really proud of myself because even when there have been times where I'm like, oh, I'm falling prey to like I am restricting or whatever. In yourself, you mean? In myself. Mm -hmm. I have been really careful that my kids don't see it and people might say they sense it. I really don't think that they do. And we sit down to dinner as a family every single night and we have like a pretty well-balanced meal there are no off-limit foods. I grew up in a house where my mom was always mm-hmm. on either a diet or she was being bad. 
there was never anything to eat. And then it was like the low fat craze. Mm-hmm. And I would eat like 10 bagels because I was fucking starving. Were you a margarine house? We were, we always had, we never had butter. It was yeah, always like margarine. Yeah, like low fat cheese, all this crap. Right. Snack wells. And our, we have the real deal. Like, and my husband's a big snacker. So we, I mean, truly in our house, it's going to sound like a house of horrors. I should say, we also always have like fresh fruits, vegetables, healthy snacks, but we also have like a huge candy bowl. We have ice cream at all times. We have Cheez-Its. We have Pringles. We have all of it. And they can have it. And they really, I think because it's there. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this is true for me too. I never thought I would, because I had binge eating disorder Mm -hmm. in my 20s. I never thought I'd live in a house where there's like a whole huge fucking salad bowl filled with candy. (laughs) And not. Up on a shelf. and. And not, and it just, I mean, every once in a while I'll go and get, you know, a piece of chocolate, but Mm -hmm. I really think it instills like following, we really work hard on listening to your body. Mm -hmm. They don't have to eat everything in order to get dessert. They, you know, we don't do that sort of thing. So I am, I will say that's an area I feel like we have done a really good job and given how like fucked up my past yes. around food has been so um and and they're good eaters and they 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 try new things and uh so i feel like so far so good mm-hmm. um elliot uh really people always comment on like he'll go for vegetables mm-hmm. um and he uh T- uh, likes the quote unquote healthy options, things yeah. like that. I mean, he also likes sweets too. But mm-hmm. Owen really has a taste for sweets. Mm-hmm. And but I and I think it's just because of the accounts I follow on Instagram that just say that like pressuring them doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know. But I will sometimes hear other people say to him like, "Okay, you can have this if you take some bites of that." And then I'm like, "Should I don't even should I be getting in there and saying like I don't believe in that?" Right. That's interesting. I feel like, oh, I have a funny story about this, actually. Um, what I either read, the the thing that resonated most for me is to offer something that you know they'll like at every meal, mm-hmm. whether that's like, you know, one of my kids loves like bread and butter. And then we also will have like broccoli or batch potatoes or whatever it is. Um and then don't force them to right. eat anything. We do encourage them to try it and talk mm-hmm. about like how things taste. But that's kind of the extent of it. Um, in terms of like intervening, I think that is something you could say and just be like, hey, we're really kind of like food hippies here. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I had a really funny thing happen where um, – funny. Uh, everyone's good and fine. But we had this wonderful babysitter during the pandemic – and um, I, of course, we're all in the house together. We have a tiny house, you know, like trying to act like I'm not hearing everything and whatever. But I overheard her. She was giving them a bath and she was talking about fasting. What? And she was like, you know, some people feel like it kind of resets. Like, this is what I'm hearing. And I run in. I'll change her name. I'm like, Melissa. <laughs> like, I just yeah. freaked out. And I, like, was like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so sweet. Um, and she she kept working for us after this. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm talking about her in the past tense. <laughs> right. um, but she came out and was like, hey, 
we, I don't want them talking about fasting or mm-hmm. dieting or eating any of that. Like, I'm really conscientious about that. And I kind of thought, like, we had an understanding about right. that. And she, I had never really kind of uh, had any conflict with her at all. And she, like, burst into tears. Oh. And I was like, oh, God, you know, like, it's okay. Just I, I please, you know, don't bring that up. And she's like, of course. Well, she comes back later, or not comes back. She was like, finished the bath, ready to leave. And she's like, can I talk to you? And she's like, I just wanted to explain, like, I'm really sorry. I totally get where you're coming from. But I was just explaining to them about Ramadan. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Expanding my kids' cultural horizon. Um, So sorry about that. I heard like a reset. I was thinking like a detox or something. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, so um, just a big misunderstanding. Oh my god, that is amazing. (sighs) So, did you end up talking to your kids about it anymore, or like was that it? (laughs) No. Oh my god, that is hilarious. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, big mistake (sighs) by me, but you know. I really, I, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. So. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is, it's so complicated and it is so hard. Um, and then also like wanting to try to have consistency across sort of what our policy is. But then if like a babysitter institutes a different policy, mm-hmm. um, but, but also not wanting to be a helicopter employer like not wanting to micromanage i don't know it's It's hard it is hard not wanting to micromanage yeah there there were a few times with different sitters where i like again most of this is happening over the three years and we're like hold up yeah where they would start talking about something that i'm just like no you're not having that conversation with them like that's something you should say like you should ask your mom and dad about that about death sexuality things like that yeah like the big ones yeah where it's like you don't take that on and i appreciate a babysitter who feels like armed and ready to mm-hmm. do that and in fact i was a nanny and i could see myself at a young age thinking like well i can handle this I'll yes. just be honest but no like that's something that needs to be <laughs> right spoken between you know just there are things that are sensitive and anyway so i still remember saying to a babysitter what does gay mean and the mm. babysitter saying, you should ask your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is I don't remember having the conversation with my parents, but I imagine I did. But um, this actually, it wasn't an episode of I'm sorry, but um, so we did always use the right words for, you know, genitals mm-hmm. and what a horrible word, genitals. <laughs> um, saying it, I was like, uh, but, you know that's what you're supposed to do and i think our yes. parents didn't get that memo oh my god we never did we did not use the real words but with my kids we do yes. but growing up we had so many euphemisms so many euphemisms Tiny. i have an awful one what is it rosebud for the vagina yeah oh my god okay mine have i told you what mine was because it is up there it might be worse okay what is it <laughs> makes me so uncomfortable to share this please I just told you Rosebud (laughs) please come at me (laughs) 
Magic place. <laughs> oh no. Oh, Allison. Oh now, no. My un- our understanding was, but even this is too much for a kid. Magic because you make poo poo and pee pee. Because it's where the baby comes from. Oh, okay. But I remember telling a babysitter and then her saying, Oh, my friend's boyfriend calls it that. The magic spot. Okay. I had and I was just like of course, but it's over just your like head. it sounds so. It's so. It's there's so, a real overlay of sexuality to it. Even that I didn't understand. Of course, as yeah. a child, the words had no meaning. It was just oh, that's your magic. But place. see now, ah! being, now being a parent, I can totally see like you being like, "Mommy, wait, where do babies come out of?" And she's like, "A magic place." Yes, and they're like, "But where right. is that?" Well, it's here, and then it like catches on. Yeah, but the reason we are as parents supposed to use the proper terms, vulva, penis, all of that shit, is. Because pedophiles typically you would use like, oh, come touch my magic place or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one's like ripe for the taking, I have to say. Rosebud yeah. is not far off. But um, a child who uses and knows the proper terms is much less likely to be victimized. Be victimized and they can also and, tell someone what happened. Exactly. That's another thing. Like, and heaven forbid something happens yeah. and you're in court of law if, you know, the real words are used. So there are a lot of, and also I'm just like, we should just use real words anyway. Take the, take the power out of it. So my kid, you know, as like a toddler changing her diaper, whatever. And she's asking about her body parts and I say all the right words. And then, um, later we had a babysitter. Andy and I went out, we came home and the babysitter was like, we're like, how'd it go? And she's like, great. And then she's like, so not a big deal. Which I'm, you're just like, yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. Um, but Teddy did ask t- if she could see my clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> she's like two and a half. That is amazing. <laughs> we were in. We were like, and? <laughs> she's like, I told her no. But um, we were dying. We thought that was so funny. A little two-year-old. That is amazing. So Rosebud. Rosebud. Is that a Southern thing? Maybe like Citizen Kane fans. Oh yeah, Rosebud. Rosebud. Is that a like I've never I'm not familiar with that being a euphemism except in discussions of Citizen Kane. But is it like a was that that wasn't just was it just your family? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get the words out. <laughs> oh my god. Or is this like you a, a trend? So sincerely too. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to tell you where I think the real thing came from and it's it's so much it's so upsetting. Now I'm now I'm feeling like you saying magic place. Okay. <laughs> um so I think it's because of like a dog's oh looks like a little rosebud, a, a dog's vulva. Oh. <laughs> Picture okay. it with me. Go deep into your I'm thinking about Wendy. Like a puppy, a little puppy. <laughs> sure I'm, I'm what with is you. happening I'm on this podcasting imagine if you will with me dogs with puppy's okay. little I'm vulva the, uh, you know it's funny I'm like sort it of looks like, like a little have, rosebud it you does. know did you when you were younger did you experience like when you have a crush on someone and then you try to like conjure them in your mind and you can't it's like that mm-hmm. door song I can't see your back I'm having trouble picturing a dog's vulva <laughs> and Wendy has one yeah. But for some reason, I just dog penis is coming to mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I know it's 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 like further down there yes, by down, the butt than in. you expect. It's very. Oh, you in. know what? 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) And you think it comes from the dogs? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, this has been like just a humiliation upon humiliation. (laughs) Just when I thought I was out of the woods. Uh, Yes. So I do think that we always had dogs. And, you know, oh, I don't know why we were referencing her rosebud, but that's Maybe what... we needed to. We did have a dog that like adopted us and her um her owners sadly were like older and kind of um what's that called when they're hoarders? Oh. And it wasn't like a safe, clean environment and this dog would run away and run like a mile and a half and oh. came to our house Aww. and like they would come get her a week later and then she'd do it again. So she kind of became our dog, but they wouldn't let us fix her. And why? They were hoarding her uterus. I guess so. Yeah. It was very weird, but she had a menstrual cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it going into heat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So she had a menstrual cycle. She got her period. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so yes. So we'd put these like little underwear things <laughs> yeah, that had called- a pad on them. They're called bitches britches. Oh, that's amazing. And um so maybe that came up because oh, that was like right. a thing in our house. Yeah, like it's coming out of her rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> this no. is amazing. Okay. Did Andy grow up calling things by their real name? Yeah, I think so. I don't. Yeah, I I think so. Mm. I need to ask him that. Yeah. So let's see. Check in the time because I know you have a hard app, but we have a lot of time. Um. So what made you decide to come back with no one? Nobody's listening, right? Okay. But how many years in between? Okay. Yes. So. What I will say is we stopped podcasting for a reason that we are actually going to make like another podcast about <laughs> to explain. Um, but then we were, I think we were, we didn't podcast for like four or five years. And and is this, re- is this a secret reason? Yeah. Okay. Will you tell me um, off air? Yes. Okay. So uh, basically... Um, and everyone will find out the reason eventually if you follow us or like stick with us and we'll, you know, whatever. So we honestly just missed it. And it, it, the show we started, you know, we're at like different places in our career now. We used to do podcasting, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, we would love to make a few bucks off of it. But now it was like, oh, I miss this hour a week where it was just him and me talking. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about our kids typically. Like, you know, I try to make it a rule that we're not like talking about, you know, we're not on our phones. We're like face to face. And I love like going through the week and being like, oh, yeah, I want to bring that up with him. I want to bring that up. And honestly, it's like really good for our relationship. So kind of the premise is like we're assuming no one's listening. (laughs) We're just talking about what we talk about. Um, But it's been really fun and it's like Andy has a studio and we just do it. Mm-hmm. And we, so it's pretty, you know, 
pretty low maintenance. However, he's gotten into the video stuff we have like on our Instagram. He edits these videos and makes them really so fun. fun. They're so so sweet. Every time I see that you like one, I'm like, oh my gosh. I love them. Yeah. They're really fun and creative. So he he's having a lot of fun doing that. So that takes up time, but it's like a a fun, you know, thing for him. So yeah. Um Yes. I also have started doing uh Monday shows sometimes with my husband. And it is so much fun. Like it really I, I was sort of like, I don't know what to make of this when it started because I really was feeling like compelled to continue doing them with him, but it's like so easy and low maintenance because I don't, you know, he's, it's him. He's He's right right there. there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just, it felt so easy that I was like, but am I shirking some kind of like responsibility I have by just taking the easy way out with my husband versus like booking a guest that makes me nervous or something like that, you know? So now I'm, I realized like, no, I can do both. And I'll yeah. always just do both. But there is something really fun about mm-hmm. for for me as well. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. I yeah. mean, I yeah, I do think it's it's really fun. And I think it's nice to kind of take the the pressure off every once in a while. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the one sure thing. OK, so the one sure thing is a podcast all about death and dying. And this is something I've been thinking about truly for like five years. I mean, honestly, around the time we stopped podcasting, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I would start a podcast, but never really knew what it was going to be like. And honestly, when I started it, I was kind of setting out to make it like one of these sleek, like produced. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it turns out not how I do things. And so it's still pretty kind of raw and um, mostly unedited. And, um, the first two episodes are my sister and me, and we are talking about losing my mom when I was 19 and she was 22 to pancreatic cancer. And then my dad died 10 months later and they were both 53. And, was it on their anniversary that he died? It was, yes. Okay. It was on their 27th anniversary, so the first anniversary without her. Um, he had a heart attack. And uh, Anna Marie, my sister, who I love so much, and I had never talked about it, like, the whole thing. And honestly, really kind of avoided talking about mm. it like we would talk about my parents and stuff, but we didn't really talk about losing them in that time because there was one time that I did bring up something and like she didn't remember it happening. You know, we have different memories and it kind of became tense. And I mm-hmm. think we both were like, this is not worth, you know, like yeah. we have no one to say who's right or wrong or, right. you know, and so we left it at that, but that was a long time ago. And um, so this was really illuminating and I think healing for both of us. Mm-hmm. And we talked, the first two episodes are that. And then I spoke with um, a hospice nurse and this like neurosurgeon who is a fascinating guy who captured the brainwaves of the first dying brain. Oh. Um, and found some interesting stuff. That's an episode. And what did he find? <clears throat> well, mostly that the parts of our brain that include memory kind of went crazy, Mm. like fired off. So it was like, does that give um, 
validity to the life flashing before your eyes in a neurological sense. Right. Or is, you know, and also that the brain lives, you know, we think the time of death is the heart stopping, but the brain continues on for a little bit. How long? I forget what he said. I think it's, I think it's seconds, seconds, but um, anyway, so very interesting. Um, I had a reading with a medium, which was very interesting. And then I interviewed her. So our first season just wrapped up. Oh, and I, I interviewed a mom who, um, had her son has a terminal illness. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but she's incredible and was so open and, uh, so, you know, there's something for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a really, uh, it's not like I, I teared up a little bit, but I wasn't sobbing. You know, I think you do a good job of making it not, um, it's not, a. if, if someone's thinking like, I don't think I can handle that, that ha- handle that you can handle it is yeah, what I yeah. would say. I especially think, yes, I, I kind of like did the episodes in an order and obviously if something if someone's like, I just can't handle listening to the mom, for example. Yeah. Although, like, her episode, you would think from start to finish, you'd be sobbing. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of get into the life and reality and right. the story. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely cried throughout that. But um, my whole thing about this is, well, it's kind of twofold. You know, we all have a fear of death, sure. most of us, on some level. And I kind of feel like the more I look at it head on, the less that fear takes hold. And I've thought, obviously, having lost my parents so young, I think so much about like, what is the meaning of all this? Is there something beyond this? Is, you know, and in talking to different people, and also so many people have written to me with their like, little coincidences Mm -hmm. that happen that make them feel like they're getting a little, you know, hi, hello from their loved ones who have passed. And I've had a bunch of those happen that I really feel at peace now that like, and comforted that we don't know for sure. No Mm -hmm. one does. But I think it's highly likely that there is something beyond this. And so that's been really comforting. So I kind of have found what I've been seeking through Mm it. Um, And then I was just going to do a podcast like we do, like a weekly. And I realized I was like, okay, I do need to take kind of breaks Mm -hmm. from this. And also I want to like our our other podcast, we don't edit, but I do want to give it a listen (laughs) because it's such sensitive information. And so I'm going to do like season two. I'm already recording. I'm talking to this amazing oncologist and I'm going to do an episode on pet death. Oh. Um, if you would, I mean, sure. I that, yeah. I have experienced that. Yes. yes. And how? <laughs> yes. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had, do you, have you heard of Cole and Perry? Yes. She's a fan. Of, okay. You know, have people mentioned her to you? No, I, actually, but I know I, I listened to her with Allie mm-hmm, on, on ologies. ologies and then I saw that she was a guest with yeah. you. She's great. I had her on. And the response to that episode has been so 
strong people mm. just being like this is the best episode you've ever this is one of the best episodes you've ever done this is like i mean i think that there is just did she a, not talk about like rosebuds and stuff or like <laughs> <laughs> she i mean they haven't heard that so when they hear that this is going to replace that one but um i just think there's a real appetite for discussions of mortality and mm-hmm. of grief and all that stuff so yeah there really is and also the other thing um I, I spoke with this doctor, uh, Shoshana Ungerleiter, who is my final episode of season two and or season one. And she created an organization called the Endwell Project. Mm. And the other part of this that I'm like looking at is, you know, different ways of disposing our bodies and how <clears throat> how badly we do death in this country. Yeah. And so that's been very eye opening. So it's kind of from every direction, but also it's made me think about like, how will I want my time to be? And, um, you know, like now there's medical aid and dying and there are just different options. And um, sorry, I keep coughing. That's okay. <clears throat> there are different options and similar to birth. I feel like women giving birth suddenly have a few more options open to them and are exploring different ways of doing that. And I think I'm excited that kind of the conversation is happening around dying also. Do you do you have ideas for how you want to go? Or, or rather what you want to be done <laughs> with your body is more what I mean to say. Yeah. Well, there's really cool. There's um, water crema- cremation yeah. now, which is really cool. And basically you end up with cremated remains, but there's no um, burning carbon dioxide being released into the air there's uh composting like there's human composting does that involve worms well it more just involves i think you being you a body being put in a like compostable shroud and just put into the earth not Mm, as deep right because the coffins that we're in like they're plastic cases like Mm -hmm. it's just so this is kind of like, yes, I think they're probably, are, you know, like it's just going to, but you're not getting like churned with worms. Right. Or it's just <laughs> Eggshells. Yeah. Does, this is a question that I should have asked Cole, but like a body in, a, an embalmed body in a coffin, mm-hmm. does it decay, decompose? It does. Okay. But m- much more slowly, I think, because the air, there's not oxygen. Right. And- so coffins are airtight. Like yeah. A Tupperware situation. <laughs> I had always said the idea of being and by the way, I am like I recognize that I'm not going to be aware of what's happening to my body at that point. Mm-hmm. But still the idea of cremation is sort of scary to me because it's like you're being burned. And Daniel's like, you'd prefer to be trapped in a box underground, you know, not like embalmed and just mm-hmm. like that forever. Cause in my mind, it's like you get buried and then you just kind of become part of the earth. And he's like, not if you're in a coffin. Yeah. I never thought of that before. It's really interesting. And with cremated remains now, they can do cool things. Like they can turn you into a coral reef that grows, you know, uh, contributes to the ocean ecosystem. You can be turned into like, be part of a tattoo for someone if they want Mm -hmm. to carry you with them forever or like a diamond or all this stuff. But um, I hear you on the cremation thing. Like my dad was cremated and my mom was buried. Um, 
something did, about the water cremation. I'm like, that sounds a little better. Soothing. Yeah. yeah. Wait, how did how was that determined that she would be buried and he would be cremated? I don't know. Like there were so many decisions. Maybe he had at some point said that he wanted to but we have a plot in the cemetery in St. Louis and and he um, didn't want any part of it. <laughs> yeah. No, he is buried there with my mom, but his oh, cremated remains. Okay. But she's like in a full coffin. So I'm like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. He must have decided that at some point. I was like, in so a, yeah. in a fugue state. I don't remember very much. That is something like going over it with my sister. I'm just like, that was so crazy that my mom, my mom died when my sister and I were in St. Louis. I won't get into all the details of that you can listen to the podcast if you want them <laughs> um i appreciated that because my mom was a debutante oh. and wanted me she claimed she didn't want me to be a debutante she just wanted me to have the option but i remember like going to this meeting and being like i do not want to be part of this uh, yeah it was so not who i was yes but wise i think <laughs> it was it's just a weird thing and in st louis they still do it it's very archaic to mm-hmm. me. i mean it's so archaic yeah. but also, it's like a really fun party where right. like parents don't really care if you're drinking and it's all at this one hotel yeah. and every like all of your friends are there. Right. And so I can see where socially it is fun. Socially it was fun, but like the actual debutante part of it is like pretty upsetting if you really start mm-hmm. to look at it. And it's right. very problematic. Like totally. the history of it is not good. So don't don't so you were in St. Louis, and was she in Pasadena? Yes, yeah, she was in Pasadena. She had sent my sister and I to St. Louis for my debutante ball. We found out she died. So we flew back to Pasadena. We had this service for her here. Then we flew to St. Louis. We had a service for her there. We buried her there. Then we come home. And then 10 months later, like, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Which that's why I, you know, even as, like, I think about this, even as kind of if my friend were going through that, I'd be like, this is a lot of funerals to have to go to in one. <laughs> yeah. You know, like to be doing that for your parents so close together. So my memory and, you know, it was, it was interesting talking to my sister because we both feel like a little memory insecure, mm-hmm. but we both remember different things. And um, so, yeah. The thing that struck me was, I mean, a lot struck me, but a detail that I was just, my brain was, uh, fixated on was that after your dad had died you were headed to the house you it was your sister's birthday was a a few days three days later yeah and you guys were meeting at the house Mm -hmm. and you got to the house and took a nap not knowing Mm -hmm. and the phone kept ringing Mm -hmm. did you were you nervous about taking naps after that at all yeah i mean I think about that a lot, actually, where I'm like, something could have happened to someone and I wouldn't know about it yet. Like, not, I, it's not necessarily nap specific, but it's like. Hypervigilant specific. Yeah. There are those times in your life, but that, that is something this podcast has helped me with. And I've struggled a lot with um, becoming a mom and, you know, kind of. The story my brain has told me is when you love someone so much, they die. And so, you know, I had to kind of deal with that with my husband. But then when you are in charge of protecting someone, 
that pressure, like it's just became a powder keg for me to basically have like really bad intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. all the time. I still deal with it, but I'm kind of helping. I'm working on rewiring my like neural pathways. And um, are you doing EMDR? No, when I say that, I'm like, I try to think about something. Okay. (laughs) That sounded very scientific and like, no, I'm just self-doing this. No, it makes sense though. I understand. (laughs) Um, So I'm doing some light biohacking. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, doing this podcast, I think, has definitely helped me like feeling less afraid of death Mm -hmm. has kind of helped alleviate all of this stuff. Like, I obviously don't want to die. I don't want to leave my my kids parent you know, motherless. But it was so bad at one point. I mean, if Andy took the kids somewhere, I would literally just wait and listen for ambulances. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Ugh. so that's been really great too. It's been a nice um, side effect. Yeah, good. Um, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, do you have a just me or everyone? Yes. Let's hear it. Is it just me or does everyone know that there is a, a maximizing your pleasure way of eating a Kit Kat and a Twix bar? That involves eating the chocolate around all the sides. Okay. I'm I'm with you. I'm picturing it like I was a dog's vulva. Okay. <laughs> right next to one another. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on a Kit Kat, you're gonna wanna, you know, break the thing off, then eat around the full perimeter. Okay. And that chocolate will kind of snap off pretty easily with your teeth. On a Twix, it's not the ridges aren't as sturdy mm-hmm. but you're still going to want to get around the whole twix okay on a twix you're going to then want to eat the top caramel slash chocolate layer just pry it off pry it off cookie. peel it off okay and then then lastly you'll go through the shortbread cookie on a kit kat mm-hmm. once you're around the perimeter it's kind of like you're just going to want to pop off each layer of the like wafer okay. yeah but if you don't eat your Twixes and Kit Kats this way, you're squandering joy. opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I've never done this. Never. Never? I don't. I mean, I've, certainly I must have, right? <laughs> I've, this is what I feel like I've done. And I, I don't even know the last time I had a full-size Twix. It's all Halloween-size candy it's that still, I encounter. It's still the same thing. But I think I've taken a Twix and bitten half of it just in a squandering joy way Mm -hmm. and then maybe like pried it apart but i've never done that i don't think i've done the perimeter i would love to do that you might get weird looks from people like when you're at the airport waiting and you're sitting there mousing your way around this whole fucking Mm -hmm. thing truly you i i want to report back from you i want you to try it we have some kit kat right now i will and then and then let me know you know what i've done sometimes Mm -hmm. and you don't just get weird looks, but you get um, judgment and possibly ostracized social opprobrium and excommunicated. Whoa. Um, and I'm not proud of this. And I know that you're not supposed to do it. And I know that it's actually very much Nervous. insulting to a sushi chef 
but I like if I've taken a roll and then I've kind of like picked some things out of it and just eaten them by themselves and then like eaten a deconstructed roll. Oh. You're not supposed to though. No. Because it's like that's their art. They've served you a plate of art. Yes. But and you're supposed to consume it as the artist intended. I guess, but sometimes those rolls are deconstructed all by themselves. Yeah. They're falling apart. That's right. And it's not my fault then if it's you're game a sloppy on. artist. That's right. So, and also, sometimes you are getting, you know, a Picasso, but sometimes you're yes. getting a Kincaid. Yes, and I actually Nothing was against it. No, I was a, I was a fan of. <laughs> look, I I think the the piece, the writing piece, like I'm most known for, was written in 2000. It's so long ago, but and it was about like how much I like Kincaid mm-hmm. and tried to grapple with that because it's like very much not who I'm supposed to be. Um, except I do like cheesy sentimental you shit. You were supposed to be a debutante. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I just mean like it's Kincaid died, but um, he was like very right wing and oh. Christian. He tucks a Christian fish into everything. I and, didn't know yeah. that. Now I um, have to look in all of my framed Kincaid <laughs> prints. I'll have to look for fish. Anyway, I don't mean to besmirch anyone or anything. But anyway, so, you know, yeah, no, sometimes it's grocery store sushi. What else do we like to deconstruct? And I just want to say this like, about I the- do weird shit with all food. So everything. Okay. Just regarding a Kit Kat, yeah. just so you know, I feel like if you haven't eaten a Kit Kat this way, first of all, there's a very satisfying thing that you don't get from the Twix, which is when you snap the the edges off, they come off clean. I like that. And then even like the long edge. Yes. Wow. Now it's like it, it was meant to do this. It's like it was meant to do. Now it might take you a few tries you know, tries yeah. to get the whole thing. It's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. But then. The thing that you don't realize is, speaking of art, like the layers in a Kit Kat of the wafer, mm-hmm. and then there's this like weird, not quite chocolate, like filling. Okay. That you've never even really met before if you haven't eaten a Kit Kat. Oh my this god, way. it's like finding a, a whole new room in your house. <laughs> yeah, that dream. You're about to find a whole new room. So, <laughs> so that's exciting. Okay, other food that we deconstruct. Hmm. This is not the same, but any sort of sauce or, or dressing I'm going to want on the side. Oh, interesting. Because mm-hmm. you like to know. You I like get to the ratio. Yes, exactly. I'm trying to think of other things that I will. Can I? Uh, I was going to do a whole other. I'll pick a pimento out of a green olive. Anything in an oh, olive, yeah. it's coming out in my hand first. Oh, I love olives. Yeah. Um, I might be amending my hey, go fuck yourself thing. Oh, Okay. I think I am based well, on this conversation. All right. What are, let's, I want to get to that in a sec, but I'm just trying to think of what are other foods that we deconstruct? I mean, I, this is not deconstructing. This is gilding the lily, but <laughs> I like a spritz of, I can't believe it's not butter spray on pretty much anything. It's, it's Do like, you? yeah, it's just makes it creamier and saltier. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't had an, I can't believe it's not butter spritz in 20, seven years no because you pride yourself on having real items in your house but it's (laughs) it is look it's not i can believe it's not butter it's its own separate category yeah yes you can it's it's its own thing oh here's something that i (laughs) deconstruct and it's gross uh 
to some people. I think it's fine. So there are these, <laughs> there's jars. I haven't seen them in a long time. I imagine there's, I haven't eaten them in a long time, but there are <laughs> jars of Gerber, like, turkey sticks They're, they look like do you remember vienna sausages i know exactly okay what you're talking about i yeah. went through a phase before i had children where i enjoyed eating those because okay. to get back to the eating stuff it's like the whole can is like 70 calories or, yeah. or something that check your math do, do you know your mileage may vary but it's something like that because i went through like a baby food phase because i'm like it's tiny little portions but it actually tastes like food ish anyway so i take out one of these little turkey stick things and it's got like a little bit of a rind on it oh boy so i'd like peel it off and then i just have the a uh, uh, mushy meat tube and then like a square of, of that's what the, my parents called skin. a penis <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> mushy meat tube. rosebud and mushy, mushy meat, meat tube, tube. <laughs> Um, that's foul, but yeah, no, ju- we're in a judgment-free zone. I'm. Who am I to say anything? I'm trying to think of anything else. Hmm. Yeah. What else do you deconstruct? Gosh. Oh, I mean, like it, an onion ring. Sometimes you got to suck oh, the onion out, and yes. then you're just left with ring. God. Now I w- I want sushi. I want onion rings. Yeah. Hmm. Dinner is going to be very interesting tonight. Mm. Um. What else? I mean, this is not really exciting. I think everyone does this, but like a trail mix. Yeah. I'll get in there and find the things I want, leave the things I don't. Not publicly, like in my own home. I'm not a monster. Peanuts are not the item that I'm going to want in a trail mix. Correct. Don't give me this filler, like the melon bullshit in a fruit tray. Yeah. Um. I guess I kind of do the same thing I do to a Kit Kat with like a tiramisu. And oh, yeah. Instead of going down, sure. I go layer by layer. Yeah. I, see, I think I do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Same with like a cake that has layers or something. Yeah. A couple bites mm-hmm. to see it, you know, as the chef intended. Yeah. And then it's game on. Yes. Then I'm separating everything and going you know, rogue. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, what about a black and white cookie? Oh, so a black and white cookie. I like the black and Andy likes the white. Oh, yeah, it's so perfect. <laughs> so, so we perfect. just we just split her. Okay. I like the white a lot better than the black. I'm, I'm the Andy. Yeah. So we're both Rosens. You are. Um, but, you know. Are you Jewish? So, yeah, like, eth- uh, culturally or ethnically, yes, like, yeah. We, I am, I am uh, of Jews. Yes. Um, I was raised with no religion. Okay. So I don't celebrate any of the Jewish things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I am. Got it. Okay. What about you guys? Yes. So he is culturally Jewish. Very, actually, his dad did like 23 and me, and it came back like the high, like 99.79% yeah. Ashkenazi Jew. They did celebrate it. Andy, like, opted he went to hebrew school for a while and then said i don't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. so so we are not religious but we do celebrate christmas and we celebrate hanukkah and we you know like on passover we read books about it Mm -hmm. so we're kind of teaching our kids more culturally about it than actually practicing the religion like if someone said to your kids are you jewish what would they say they would say yes i think Mm -hmm. they would say i'm I don't even think they'd say half Jewish because they don't even think in that way. Yeah. But it's interesting because in their school, they're 
some of the only kids who celebrate Hanukkah mm-hmm. or anything. So, or know anything about Passover or anything. So, um, like everyone at school definitely thinks they're Jewish, you right? Know? And uh, which I, you know, I'm like, great until until all the anti-Semitic people come out of the woodwork and right, you know, which seems. It seems like a not great time. I mean, actually, like this week, I haven't heard of anything, but like lately, it has not seemed very great. No, it's really scary. It's really fucked up, I think. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a fucked up thing to say, and I'm going to say it because I've, I've talked with my husband about it, and he's been like, you should talk about that on the show sometime. Um, so we, because I never celebrated any of the Jewish holidays, mm-hmm. um, and I love Christmas. We have only done Christmas, even though I'm always like, someday maybe we should do Hanukkah too. We, I, you know, I like, I feel like all this stuff is like a book I'm going to read someday. Like mm-hmm. I want to know about it. And it feels we, it's a, it's a, it's a much longer story of like my, whatever. It's a much longer story of like why I was raised with, with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my kid's last name is Quance, which is, D- Daniel's not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, Quance is like, no one really knows what that is. And, my kids don't know that they're Jewish mm-hmm. um, because it has not really come up. Yeah. And when all, when all the Kanye stuff was happening and like oh everything's God. happening lately, I've just been like, I feel like it's better that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I, because then they, I guess in my mind, I'm imagining some scenario, scenario where like, I don't know, some bad person comes in and is like, are you Jewish? And then like harms the Jewish people, which well, it doesn't like Holocaust. I mean, yeah, well, that, which is, by the way, that's my too. intrusive thought mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. like that's exactly where my brain goes all the time. Um, so, yeah, like. I, I don't know. I hear what you're saying. Totally. You know, it's interesting because. So we have a cabin and it's in. Oh, yeah. Area. I meant to. Uh, my God, I meant to ask about that. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> we have a cabin in an area that is like really a mixed bag politically, but also like there are definitely some Nazis, Nazis up there. Like, yes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yes. They like mountains. And it is kind of like, how much do you advertise? <laughs> like, you know, but I also... It, and it feels like a little shitty saying this because we're not practicing Jews. And so that's like, I'm not, I wasn't raised Jewish, so I don't really have a claim to this. But also I'm like, um, no, you know what? They should, they should be whoever they are and their yeah. heritage. And like, of course, I, I don't want to like hide that part of them. But, um, you know, you want to protect your kids and you're like, but I also think about, you know, like if your kid is gay and if there's this huge anti-LGBTQ mm. thing, are you hiding that? Are you wanting them to keep that on the down low? You know? Right. I know. It feels like so problematic to get it. So j- the thing that I wasn't saying before, but I that I will say, but I've, I've gone into it on the podcast before, but this, I know it sounds insane. My last name's Rosen. I look Jewish. I did not know I was Jewish until I graduated college because my dad and my mom went along with it. But my dad is the one who kept the story going, said we weren't Jewish. Oh, wow. That's how much they didn't want to be Jewish. And it came from fear Mm -hmm. from, you know, he was born in 33. And there's all all these reasons I could go into. But it's Mm -hmm. like, it just came from this idea of like, if they don't 
you know, the, the, the religious, the religion doesn't mean anything to us. That's right. my, how my dad felt. And if they don't think they're Jewish, then that's safer in some way. Um, and I always, it's been something that I'm like, that was fucked up. And like, you lied to us. And I mean, it's just in it. It's weird. And my whole life, mm-hmm. my whole life, people have said, are you Jewish? And I'd say no. And they're like, yes, you are. And I was like, why does everyone think they know what I am? I'm not. And then it turned out they were all right. You know, like mm-hmm. I have all these issues with my with the way my dad handled it. But all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I'm not saying it's right, but I get it. I actually understand. But when I had those thoughts of like, I'm glad my kid's last name is Quant. I'm glad they yeah, don't. Yeah. They don't. You know, I feel like it maybe we're dodging a bullet because they don't know yet. I'm, right. I'm so, con- you know, just all this anxiety about it. I was like, for the first time, I actually had like much more compassion for the way my dad handled it because it was born of anxiety and this, you know, protection. I yeah, mean, the, totally. The, the nice way of looking at it is he protection. was trying to protect us, even though I don't like that he lied. Yeah, to us. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I I think. See, I think it's kind of cool, and especially like my kids going to school and they're they're the only ones who understand these mm-hmm. traditions and can teach other kids about it. Um, I guess, and my last, my kid's last name is Rosen. Right. So uh, I want them to, it's kind of like, there's so many things right now like this where it's like, unfortunately, we have to have conversations with our kids at young ages about how other people treat people poorly or mm-hmm. un- unfairly or, or, you know, horribly Yeah. due to the color of their skin and where they came from. And I guess this just falls under the same umbrella. But what I will say, I don't know, your kids are much younger, but my kids have honestly kind of impressed me with how, I guess, open they are to those conversations. And it when it's told in the framework of like, but we're on, we're doing the right thing. Like we're on the right side. We went to the BLM protests and that's what we were fighting for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't had the conversation with him about anti-Semitism, but we will at some point. And, um, you know, they give me hope. The only conversation I've had to have with them that has just been truly heartbreaking and senseless is, um, gun violence because Mm. they heard about Uvalde before I had a chance to talk to them. And so in that situation, I didn't have the opportunity to frame it Mm -hmm. in a way that was kind of age appropriate. I mean, I don't even know how you frame that in a way that, but anyway, long story short is they have surprised me with like how open-hearted they are and how kind of how much they seem to understand it and mm-hmm. immediately are like, well, we're on the right side of things and we want to do good. Right. So good. That's nice. Yeah. Good. Um, I'm realizing the time and I know that you, you need to go. So let's just quickly do, uh, Hey, go fuck yourself. Okay. Here was, here's my amended one. Okay. <sighs> Lately, anytime I order a salad, mostly it's salads, <laughs> The dressing, they put like, they fill up the dressing container like a third. Mm. It's not enough dressing. And I know it's just someone who doesn't give it a second thought, whose job it is to fill up the containers, and they're just slopping some in there. But when you give me 
no dressing on this $22 salad, it really gets my goat. Like that is such a bummer. And things like that in the food realm can really throw me off. Like when I'm so excited and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then there's, there's no dressing or there's no like sauce for my noodles because someone just wasn't thinking. Mm. It's very upsetting. Yeah. They need to think about the way their actions are affecting <laughs> you. No, I get it. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Um, yes, I'm with you on that. Because sometimes it's the like accoutrement that you're looking f- forward to the most. So I thought you might relate to this because you said you always get it on the side. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself like lately I've been finding myself or like getting two dresses? Yeah, you, sometimes you have to uh, cover your assets. What? <laughs> Your rosebud. Yeah. And your right. mushy meat stick. <laughs> yeah. Cover your cover is that is that the did I use that phrase correctly? Asses? Cover no, I said your... assets. Cover your assets. That doesn't make sense. You gotta like I don't know what I'm saying. You gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. Cover your ass? No, that doesn't make sense either. I don't even know. I've lost the ability to speak suddenly, <laughs> which is a terrible terrible if you're a podcast host. That's not great. Elizabeth, yes. could I have had any more fun with you? No. I said, like, Chandler, I don't know why. This has been so nice catching up with you. So great. Obviously, you're going to have to come back. And I also, you. you'll have to come on a Patreon episode because I did not manage my time well, and we didn't get to the questions that people had for you. They had specific questions for you, and I oh. feel like a real asshole because I didn't get to them in time. So please uh, promise I promise. Okay, good. Scout's honor. Okay, good. So you'll come back for a Patreon episode and I'll ask you those questions and it'll be great. Awesome. Okay, wonderful. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, etc. Okay, so I am on Instagram at Elizabeth Lame, L-A-I-M-E. Also, our podcast, Nobody's Listening Right, uh, has an Instagram page that's very fun where Andy does his videos. And if you're watching A Million Little Things, we air Wednesday nights on ABC and then Thursday and beyond on Hulu. And it's an amazing final season. I hope people are enjoying it. Wonderful. Thank you. And I mentioned Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Patreon. Go there. There's outtakes. There's behind the scenes content. There's uh, my feelings about various episodes, things like that. And then also episodes of The Friend Zone, which is my Patreon podcast, where I get very candid and you can ask me nosy questions. And Elizabeth is going to come on. Uh, and there's a level where you can text me. I'll text you back. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Subscribe for a year. Get two months free. And then also new Patreon alert. Uh, Todd Perry, who I did Upworthy Weekly with, he and I are starting a Patreon-only podcast. It's sort of the continuation of of what we were doing before, but just for Patreon. Um, and there's just one level, $2 a month. So if you want to support that, patreon.com slash Allison and Todd. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram, the Allison Rosen on TikTok. I'm just, just starting out over there. Please make sure you're subscribed uh, to this podcast. Also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. Subscribe there. I, this is too many. I've told you too many things to do, <laughs> which is really confusing everything. But I trust that you can handle it. Leave us a nice review, please, everywhere. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This is so much fun. Listeners, so thank fun. you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 